Hello, everyone. I'm Brenda Epley, and this is Yoga Discovery, brought to you by Green Tree Yoga. In Pennsylvania, where I live, spring has been thrust upon us. I heard a bee buzzing outside the window next to my office a moment ago, and what a joyful, hopeful sound. If you know me, you know that I love the bees. <laughs> Their importance to the life cycle of nearly every living organism is so critical that when I hear bees, I feel a small sigh of relief. I will say that I don't hear or see as many bees as I did when growing up, which is very disconcerting. Last summer, we had a honeybee nest in a nearby tree, and we would watch the honey literally pouring out of the hole in the tree and the bees going in and out hard at work. I hope they will return again. Although a, a squirrel family seems to have taken residence in the hole over the winter. I'm not a bee expert, but I'm guessing that bees are meticulous about their home. So maybe the bees won't be very happy about the housekeeping of a nest of squirrels. <laughs> Time will tell. My guest today is June Hunt, owner of Moon Dog Yoga, located in Quakertown, PA. June is also a lead teacher with the Himalayan Institute, and I am an extremely grateful graduate of HI's 500-hour yoga teacher training taught by June. I have asked her to join me today to shed some light on a word first mentioned in my last podcast that focused upon the Bhagavad Gita, and that word is Dharma. It is a complex concept and an important one in the practice of yoga, but with June's help, we will reach a basic understanding of Dharma as it is found in the Gita. And now I welcome June Hunt from Moon Dog Yoga. Sharing this space with you and having this conversation is such a gift. I have known you for I think now two years as I've gone through my training with the Himalayan Institute and your wisdom and insight has impacted me so deeply and greatly that turning to you for input and gaining your perspective regarding today's subject matter makes perfect sense. You are so kind and generous. Thank you. Our attention today is on Dharma. Would you please start us off by explaining this word and providing some context? Sure. Very simply, Dharma is our life's purpose, what we're here to do. And we are all born here for a reason. The generalness of the reason is that we are here to serve others. So what is it or how and in what capacity are we here to serve others? The answer to that is finding our dharma and living your dharma is living a life with purpose. It's authenticity. We are all born with innate gifts, innate passions, innate interests, and those interests and those passions in addition to whatever natural talent we have, whether it's an ability to sing, to speak, to play music, maybe it's even athletics. But these are innate talents that matched with our passions is how we are here to serve others and to give to the greater good of humanity. To serve through love, compassion, and understanding. So if we live our dharma, we live a life of purpose. If we live a life of authenticity, then, very generally, we leave this world a better place because we have lived. 
And that's not my saying. I've heard that saying before. I wish I could recall who said it, but I just love that. Making the world a better place because we have lived. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about the benefits of identifying our dharma. What are the issues or problems that we encounter in our lifetime if we don't identify and follow our dharma? That's very interesting. It's almost as if your soul is knocking at you like a knock, 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 tap, 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 because we're discontented. We feel unfulfilled. We feel unhappy. We know sometimes just very subtly that something's amiss or something deep in our bones. We know it's just not right. Or we just hate the job that we're doing. And just to segue a bit, our job, what you do for work, may not necessarily be your dharma. They don't have to be one in the same. Sometimes they are, but sometimes that job is just arta or a means to fulfill your dharma. You can be an accountant by day and maybe your dharma is to rescue dogs. And so that's your dharma. Or maybe it doesn't become your vocation. I think that's one of the big things that really trips us all up, that we think our dharma has to be our vocation. And if we can align that, then we can start to, well, feel whole when we're living our dharma. How can students identify what their dharma might be? That's a really good question. I remember being in my late 20s and struggling with, what do I want to do? I don't know, just really struggling. And I found this book book by Deepak Chopra called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I have to preface this by saying this was after I had gone through grad school in the late 80s. So we know what the 80s were. It was, you know, Gordon Gecko, greed is good. (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't resonating with me, though. So I picked up this book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, And in it, Deepak said something to the effect that find something that you can do for up to eight hours a day and not be fatigued by it when you're done. That you can do it for, and I'm paraphrasing, about eight hours, but you enjoy it the whole time. And you know, we all have those things that we love. There's bits and pieces of our work that we don't love about it, but after you do it, you're not depleted. Um, Sometimes we'll say, I'm in the zone, I'm in the flow. So when you're doing that thing that keeps you in the zone, in the flow, that's the start of your discovery. You may be tired because you expended a lot of energy, but it feeds you. And what he basically said is what he's getting at is it feeds your soul. And so that's the first thing I would say to students. What could you do every day? for several hours a day and still want to do it and still enjoy it. And it makes you feel whole. You know, when you're in that zone, when you're in the flow, that's kind of a little glimpse. Where you are when you're in the zone, what are you doing? What are the attributes of that? That will maybe start to help you find what your dharma is or maybe what your passions are. What if fulfilling your dharma leads you to harm? I think of the Bhagavad Gita that contains this great conversation between the warrior prince Arjuna and Krishna. And Krishna tells Arjuna to fulfill his dharma, which is to be the greatest possible warrior, even if that means that he must kill his friends or his family members, his teachers. I know that many students struggle with this concept, which really 
is sort of in opposition to Western philosophy in which we're taught not to kill. And although we haven't yet discussed the Yoga Sutras in this podcast, I know that students often find the concept of ahimsa or nonviolence, non-harm at odds with the Dharma that leads to hurting others. Can you explain how a student can fulfill their Dharma while upholding ahimsa? That's a great question. And that is a question we can discuss and ponder for a long time. But I think you bring up a good point, that we are looking at this through the lens of Western culture. And one of the things we have to keep in mind that is in the context of yoga philosophy is that after you die, there are still more lives to be led and more dharmas to be led, and that who are we to determine someone else's dharma? So how do you wrap your head around that? I think the easiest way for us to look at is that people whose dharma is to be in the military are to be soldiers. That is their dharma, to protect, to, to serve, or even police, who in their job of executing this dharma to protect and serve and defend, people die. That doesn't mean that killing people is good. And here's the other thing, that when you break open yoga philosophy, things are neither good nor bad. And that's a really big concept. And it's sometimes that we have to drill down and sometimes get rid of our rigidness on that. I'm not saying that go ahead, go out and kill. But the idea of dying is not as simply as we quote or unquote westernize it. But of course, you always, your intent is always to do no harm and to serve. That's very deep. And I can guess that our listeners have many, many questions. Several more podcasts. Yes, indeed. <laughs> several more. That's right. So it can be very challenging to follow your own dharma, right? I mean, there can be lots of obstacles that get in the way. Yes, but we would argue that they're all self-made obstacles because your dharma is your path and it's intended for you. So yes, there are obstacles, but we have to look at, are we creating those obstacles or are they really obstacles with just a little bit more of a challenge? And if we are not wanting to do that challenge, we have to look at what's holding us back from living our lives to the fullest. I'm certain our listeners are wondering, June, what is your dharma? And how did you arrive at finding that dharma? Did it take you a while? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Looking back, and as I tell you this story, I'm going to be like, a duh. <laughs> but it wasn't that obvious to me. It really wasn't. So again, I told you I was in my late 20s and I had finished grad school. I went to college. I loved economics. I had a passion for economics. And I was like, okay, what am, what am I going to do with economics? And I decided I wanted to be a professor. And then it kind of just came to me and it felt right. So I started studying and I took a couple graduate courses in economics. And I think I've said this to you before. Economics is named the dis nicknamed the dismal science. <laughs> and so as I got deeper into graduate courses, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can go through with this. But I still loved learning and being in that environment. Um, but before I was telling you, I didn't know if I could do it for eight hours a day. I wasn't as passionate about it anymore. And so then I found marketing and it was really vibrant and I liked it. And I said, okay, I'll teach that. And then I got sidetracked into the whole business part of it. And I ended up teaching at a business school and I could do it all day, every day. And I walked into the interview for that job, not realizing that I had to teach as part of my interview. And there we were, all these other people were there. 
and they were up and they were teaching. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I had to teach as an interview. So off the cuff of my head, I got up there. I had been working at The Gap at the time, and I taught them how to sell jeans. And I did a totally stream of consciousness. But as I was doing it in this new environment with people I didn't know, it felt right. It felt good. And I realized I like to teach. This is my passion. Looking back on it, I used to play teachers with my friends. In third and fourth grade, instead of playing dolls, we'd play teacher. We'd give each other tests. We'd correct each other's tests. Right there, big blinking arrow, June. <laughs> and then when I look back at my positions, when I was working in business, I was always teaching. I was always training. So it was really there. I just wasn't looking. And as it does, it waited very patiently for me. And now I teach and I love it and it energizes me. And as you know, in trainings, we spend 18, 20 hours a weekend and I'm not depleted from it. I may be tired because I expend a lot of energy, but it fuels me. You are no doubt fulfilled. You radiate enthusiasm and you have a keen ability to, to clearly connect your students with whatever you're teaching in any particular moment. It doesn't mean that the Dharma for all teachers is teaching. At some point in our lives, we've all been students in classes with teachers who don't belong in the classroom. But you, your evidence that identifying our Dharma is key to joy and satisfaction. Thank you. No, thank you, June, for taking time out of your day to teach us. I so appreciate this time spent with you. Thank you for the opportunity. I think we all know people who have embraced their Dharma. They are living to their highest potential and they are happy and at peace. I was listening to an interview with Gregor Mela, who wrote How to Find Your Life's Divine Purpose, and he discusses the universal impact of people who follow their Dharma. He goes into great detail about the intelligence of our universe. It puts signs in place for each of us to follow, but we often choose to ignore those signs. As June mentioned, we create hurdles and obstacles that get in the way of our dharma. I know too often that we put the blame on others for those objects on our path. But in reality, we are the architects of our journey. Defining and embracing the actions of our dharma lead us to fulfillment and peace. Ultimately, this impacts all things, all energy, and connects us together. Just like the bees that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, our purpose is interconnected to all living things. So, you know I'm going to ask you, what is your dharma? And if you are embracing your dharma, awesome! But if you're not, then what is preventing you from living your authentic self? In my next podcast, I'll provide some suggestions for identifying your dharma. I'm hoping today's podcast sparked your curiosity, and I welcome your comments or questions that can be sent to me at greentreeyogaofpa at gmail.com. A big thanks to June Hunt from Moondog Yoga. I highly recommend her yoga teacher training program, or if you're in the Quakertown area, take a class at her studio. Find out what classes and teacher training is offered at moondogyoga.com. 
Thank you to Green Tree Karma for sponsoring today's podcast. Check out the awesome products that are good for you and good for the earth at greentreekarma.com. Peace out, everyone. I'm Brenda Epley. Be well, and I hope you'll join me for upcoming podcasts to deepen your understanding of yoga.